Happy 2024 and welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. My name is Jay and I'll be your host for today. And with me is Track Boy, aka Clifton. Clifton, how you doing? That wasn't very nice, but okay. Hi. <laughs> it's actually cold enough here that I have fuzzy socks on today. It's crazy. Oh, well, good. Okay, that's I nice. Yeah. Well, Clifton, finally, we've been talking about this for I don't know how many episodes, but what <laughs> are we listening to today? We are doing the first half of Goaty Hook's um, debut full-length album, Sumo Surprise. All the way back. I think it's 1996. From, yeah, I guess 28 years ago now. Hmm. Ooh, we're old. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Gee, don't say yeah, like that. I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so like you said, this is part one of two. Um, so be sure to stick around in a couple weeks when part two comes out. And um, yeah, Clifton, was this easy to find? Um, I guess so. I didn't go looking for it. I just have it. So I, yeah. I assume it's out there though. Yeah. It's on Spotify. It's, it's every place. Okay. So thank there goodness go. this was an easy one. Another one for you before we go on. Was this played in youth group? I don't remember being played in youth group. Well, I'll also say it was not played in my youth group, but like I could see this being played in youth groups, other places with like yeah. cooler youth pastors. You with know. cooler youth, yeah, not my youth group. Now that said, we had like youth interns that did like this album, and and even took us to a concert at one point. I think to uh, to go see Goody Hook in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, well, we should talk about that more in a few minutes when we kind of talk about your introduction to the band because I would like to yeah. hear about this. But let me ask another question: Are we getting preached at on this album? I mean. Undoubtedly, I mean, it's not it's not as bad. I don't think as as like Plank Eye was, for example, you know, or maybe like the Blamed. But it's, I mean, it's in there. Yeah, I mean, we are doing a two parter on this. I'd say like <laughs> you're being a little kind. I was just gonna say yes, a hundred percent. Like, yeah. I mean, look, we're we're getting preached at, but we're not getting like preached at. Right, like not okay. We've had, we've had worse. All right, I see. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll get into it in a minute. Um, well, before we fully dive in, I want to remind everyone to visit patreon.com/slash YMSU to contribute to get extended episodes. We're hopefully going to even be recording a little bonus thing right after this today. So stick around, Clifton and I. Um, I think we're going to try to do a better job this year of updating our um patreon feed maybe um so yep. <laughs> you know as we always say we both have full-time jobs but we'll do our best so um we do appreciate all the people that already are patrons and support us and um everyone out there who just listens to us and, and we forget to say this but if you are liking what you hear feel free to leave us a review someplace and click like because you know yeah. maybe more people will find it and that's always fun also, we've gotten a few new patrons recently. I just keep forgetting to put them on my list of things to read out here. But so I'm maybe next sorry, time, guys. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We're just so bad at this. Um, well, Clifton, 
let's jump in. Tell us about Goaty Hook. So most of this is going to come from three sources. The first being an episode of the podcast, My Life in Notes, um, episode 25 with Conrad Toulouse. And the next one be another podcast, which is the labeled episode with uh, Goaty Hook, in which uh, they interview um, Joel, Adam, and Jamie. And then lastly, I have a Phantom Tollbooth interview from 1997. Um, before Banana Man came out. So it was kind of focused more on this album that I'll be pulling a little bit from. So Goody Hook formed sometime in the early 90s. There's different dates scattered around, 90, 91, 92. Different people say different things. There's a bunch of guys that basically grew up together and went to youth group together in Fairfax, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Um, The members through the first two albums were Joel Bell on vocals and guitar and sometimes saxophone. Adam Neubauer on drums, Jamie Tolosa on guitar and backing vocals, Christian Ergueta on bass and backing vocals, and Conrad Tolosa on guitar. Um, Adam, the drummer, um, his dad was a pastor of this church, and it allowed them to uh, basically practice in the church facilities. So that's kind of why they uh, were able to get together at such a young age and uh, form this band. I don't think you can say that they took it all too seriously early on, seeing as how like Adam was 12 years old when they, when they formed the band uh, back in the early nineties. Um, I am described what they played around this time as total shit music. <laughs> um, Adam and Joel met as young kids and as teens, they would hang out uh, with Conrad and sometimes with Jamie. Um, and, and I guess, I don't know how they met Christian. I think he was in the same group, but he would, I think doesn't come up in stories as much. Um, but they would ride around in the car and listen to music together, like uh, Metallica, things like that. Um, they didn't listen to much Christian music, except for Jamie, who listened to some Christian metal in high school. Early on, they listened to Dead Milkmen, Metallica, The Violent Femmes. And so a lot of their early stuff was like Dead Milkman, um, you know, basically writing silly, goofy songs. And because Conrad was a huge fan of, of Dead Milkmen. Conrad said of this period, we were just a bunch of stupid youth group kids goofing off. Later on, they get introduced to pop punk through Operation Ivy, Screeching Weasels, and Green Day. Christian would get tapes from his relatives in California. That's how they actually first uh, heard about MXPX. Uh, When they first heard pop punk, they realized that this is what they were trying to write all along. Fast, catching, upbeat music. Seasons, for example, was a very early song. Um, they, they, They said it was originally kind of funky. And then they just played it fast and with power chords, and it became a punk song. In 19, 1994, Christian, uh, the bassist, got them their first show at Drexel University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that first show was uh, hosted by Scott Hatch, and he did a lot of early, early promotion for the band, got them a lot of shows. So even though they're from Virginia, near D.C., most of their early shows are played in the Philly area. The guys talk about growing up in D.C., listening to bands or going to going to see bands where crowds would just stand around and stare at you. And so as they put it, you could either try to put on the best show ever and get them involved, or you could just go introvert and try to have your own fun up on stage. And to quote them from this time, everything we did was basically how can we entertain ourselves to the highest degree. They put out an EP called No Date in 1994 with Ukla the Punk and Spice Drops, which will be um, on this album here. And then two songs that we um, don't really hear from from again that are not punk. 
Should we stop here and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe listen to a little bit of that? Um, well, I feel bad if you've never ever heard Goaty Hook because these are not. It's probably embarrassing <laughs> for the band, and these are not their normal sound. But sure, for people that have never heard this, to hear kind of the progression, it's pretty interesting. And you're right. I will say I've listened to this too, and those two songs are not so far off from what you hear on this album. But these other two, who boy, I don't know. This was clear they were still figuring out who they were. Yes. So this one is called Pride. I mean, this sounds like like a youth group band, right? Like, yeah, it sounds like REM a little bit. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, you're right. Oh man. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's another song on that album on that which is not also not on the EP. I think it's a little bit better. Let's listen to the first of it. Funky. At least it has Adam doing something fun on the drums. know what that sounds like okay um so as i said also the punk is on there and it's gonna sound very similar to the album version spice drops is also on there but we're not talking about that song until next episode so we'll play a little bit of it then it actually is i mean it's similar but it's not the same arrangement as uh as this album um in 1995 they put out another ep uh by themselves called boca grande and it has four songs, Body Juggler, Money, Scared Am I, and Tracked Boy, and all four of those are on this album. In 1995, they went to Cornerstone and got onto the Seven Ball stage, either by being really obnoxious or by being recognized by Lori Perry, the publicist for Via Records, depending on which story to follow. Um, Brandon Ebel was listening to the band before them, before they went on, and stayed for a song or two and then just left. I guess he wasn't all that impressed. In the Phantom Tollbooth interview, they said that they talked to, to Flying Tart, Via Records, Blind Records, and Frontline while at Cornerstone that year. In the label interview, they said that they talked to Five Minute Walk and another record label they couldn't remember, maybe Via, probably Via since they have in the other interview. But they passed on all of them. A few months later, they were opening for MXPX and Blenderhead in Philadelphia, and Bill Power of Blenderhead. Um, liked the guys and uh, convinced Brandon to sign them to Tooth and Nail after that. 
But the band had to wait until Adam turned 18 in 1996 uh, to sign the contract with Tooth and Nail. And Conrad, by the, t- by the way, was 23 when this came out. So that's kind of the range of dates. Conrad's the oldest, with Christian being about the same age as him, and then Adam being the youngest at 18. Sumo Surprise was mostly written, written by Adam and Joel, or sorry, by Conrad and Joel. And they basically just say that they wrote what they could play at the time. A lot of rhythm, uh, guitar-based riffs. Conrad explains that Joel wrote most of the first-person songs, talking about relationships and stuff. And Conrad wrote third-person songs, and he says of himself, I'm like a robot and have no feelings. <laughs> uh, Conrad also wrote the more silly songs on the album that we'll get to here. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if it was before or after the release of Sumo Surprise, but they also had a split with Value Pack. They had a couple songs from this album and then two songs from the first Value Pack album. Before, because it got mailed out to people on like Tooth & Nail's mailing list and maybe subscribers of like HM or Seven Ball. I know because I got one in the mail and thought it was the coolest thing ever. Because here's that this would like, be amazing. Un, yes. you know, it, again, it's 96. It's this unsolicited, you know, you're unasked for... <laughs> album Music. that just yes. or not album but sampler that shows up in the mail and you get a free cd in the mail of four songs from these two bands that you haven't heard yet and it was like yeah it was really really cool pretty definitely, good stuff really definitely yeah. played that a lot <laughs> i i i didn't know that existed until years and years later i'm gonna guess it's seven ball because if you remember the album cover they they kind of made their own um logos for the two bands and they look a lot like the i'm not seven ball but hm because they look a lot like the hm logo hmm, okay yeah i see what you mean already i remember that now. see that that goatee hook uh thing right there kind of yeah. looks like the uh yeah. the fair the, the uh, hm logo yeah there's the value pack side mm-hmm. graduation day and loner from value pack and shrinky dinks and scared of mine from goatee hook that's there that's you go good, that's a good little sampler yep. yeah I, w- I would also play the shit out of that yeah it was yeah, it was very much appreciated. All right. Um, I have a little bit more that I want to do here from the Phantom Tollbooth interview, but because I'm lazy and don't want to read it, Jay, I brought in a ringer. I brought in a voice-to-text thing to read it to us. You ready? Uh, um, <laughs> this is a surprise for me, but sure. <laughs> and warning, there's going to be an R slur in here, which I'm going to bleep out for the main episode. Joel. Our initial idea for the album was that we wanted an oriental theme for it. I wanted to do a fortune cookie, and Christian wanted to do a wise man. We got rid of those ideas because we thought, well, a fortune cookie with a fortune coming out of it? Somebody might misinterpret that. Adam, we're promoting witchcraft. Joel, or with the wise man, (laughs) somebody might think we're Buddhists. Christian's dad suggested just putting sumo wrestlers on the cover. Christian, that's our personality, big, obnoxious, dumb-looking. Joel, we knew it would be something somebody could look at and say, wow, that's dumb. Christian, there are two reactions to the cover. The kids that listen to our music think this is really cool. The parents may not like it. Joel Christian got in this long discussion with one woman who said, I don't see how that is a Christian cover. Well, what's a Christian cover? If Michael W. Smith is on the cover with a suit, what's Christian about that? We had that incident, and there have been a couple other places we've heard about how they won't carry it on the shelves. Ellipsis. Christian Jen, the CD has very serious moments. It's got songs that are totally stupid and re- 
but with a serious message behind them. And then it's got your songs that are just totally dumb. We have a song called Dry Run, and it talks about throwing food around and nothing else. Joel, see, the thing with us is we're not a ministry-oriented band. We are all Christians and we believe in Christ. When I write our songs, I write stories. I write from my life, which is all I can see to write about, and I write about experiences I've had from a Christian perspective. When it comes to our live shows, all we want to do is get up there and have fun. Some people forget that. They think it has to be all serious or whatever. Adam, we want the audience to have as much fun as we have. We have. Ellipsis. Joel, yeah, people can dance to it. Christian, you can go home with a smile. Tollbooth, it reminds me of one bad pig. Adam, they were our teachers. <laughs> well, Clifton, that was um, better than I thought. Right? Not amazing, but okay. No. <laughs> I hope we're not going to do that every episode. But yes, I appreciated the you know curveball on this. So, all right. So I thought there were a few interesting things in there that uh, that that they consider one bad bit, one bad pig to be their teachers. One bad pig was from this regionish, right? Actually, they're from, they're from they're oh, from this from region. Right. When you say yeah, your region, they're from Austin. Yeah, um, interesting. I wonder how they knew one bad pig, or if they just knew of them. It doesn't, it doesn't go into any more detail than that. Also, I have a feeling based on some of their stuff that he could just be totally like, they were our teachers and have no yeah, idea who they're be, talking yeah. about. It just, it just, it's Adam. He could just be <laughs> yeah. bullshitting. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the whole Oriental thing is kind of a, it's a little bit troublesome for the uh, album artwork, which is what it is, though. Um, it is very, um, you know, Japanese themed, I'll say. I, I, I do appreciate that, that they were worried about fortune cookies or a wise man being interpreted as <laughs> unchristian. <laughs> Just amazing. Amazing, really. So it says a lot about the culture of the time. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it did get pulled from some Christian bookstore shelves. Yeah. I mean, that's... Wow. <laughs> yes. So anyways, that is what we know, the history of the band. Honestly, I'm going to put up the Phantom Booth energy. It's okay. But those two podcasts, the one with uh, Conrad and then the other, the, the labeled one, are great interviews with the guys. They're, 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 I, I would suggest everyone go listen to them. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Okay. We're caught up. So, Clifton, for you, when did this come into your life? I don't know. So, I don't, I don't remember the first time I heard Goody Hook, but it had to be pretty soon after this album came out. I know that Scared Am I was on I'm Your Biggest Fan. Was that before or after this came out? I think that was a little bit before, maybe just months before. Because I was looking up something earlier today with this, and there was maybe it was one of those old Christian music news groups. I think it indicated somebody was discussing hearing them on that. And I I think it was just maybe months before. Okay. I probably found both of those around the same time. Um, So maybe I knew, maybe I had um, I'm Your Biggest Fan first, but also their song is the second to last song on that album. So maybe by the time I paid any attention to it, I had already found this album, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, it's 22, al- it's 22 songs long or something like that. And this is, this is like track 20 or 21. Um, but anyways, it had to be soon after this album came out. Um, if not right before from, from I'm your biggest fan. And I'd, I'd probably guess that the reason I don't have a good memory of hearing go to hook for the first time is probably because I was introduced to them by a friend. 
Um, so I probably didn't have that kind of like, oh, I just, I found something moment. I probably just, you know, kind of just yeah. absorbed it through osmosis. How'd you, how'd you find them? I, th- well, this is something I was also scratching my head a little bit about, but I think actually the first time I heard them was on that. I'm hoping to cover this album at some point, but that Striper tribute album, Sweet Family hmm. Music, that just yeah. came out, also came out in 96, but I think even earlier, maybe like February. Okay. Um, and they covered the Striper song First Love, which at that time, I had never really listened to Striper. I think, you know, you're about the same age as me. I think it was basically our age. Like, Striper was really big when we were like <laughs> seven, <laughs> eight, you know yeah. what I mean? And they were kind of not a thing by this point. And so a lot of these people on the tribute album were older, like grew up maybe listening to Striper where I didn't anyway, I didn't buy it as a striper. I just bought the album because it had a bunch of bands that I liked on it. Okay. And Goaty hook was on there and their cover actually is pretty good. Um, again, I don't even know if I've ever heard their original song first love, but I enjoyed their version of it. And then I think the next time must've been like you said, the I'm your biggest comp or that split CD that came in the mail with value pack. I don't yeah. know either way. When this came out, I was ready I was primed <laughs> and I don't remember where I bought it, but I definitely picked it up like when it came out. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like it was just always kind of part of who I was like as, a, as a, you know, as, as a youngster. <laughs> yeah. Well, how'd you feel about it? Do you remember any feelings back in the day? Oh, I loved it. Like, like I said, it was just, it was a cornerstone of my youth and I don't know how to express that more directly, but it was just, you know, this album was maybe even more than than MXPX because I, I, what I love what I love about like MXPX is very straightforward, but this is a little bit more. I want to say more complicated, but it's really not. It's just that it seems more complicated because of how it's presented. Like because there's two guitars, because there's there's more a little more orchestration going on that it, that it just feels more full than MXPX, and it, this was kind of always the the pop punk that I was, you know, leading, leaning towards. Yeah. Yeah. I think at least this album, I probably connected with more than something like MXPX as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I remembered that this inspired a creative writing project for my 10th grade English class. We had to write some kind of, you know, something about our future profession and goals. And I just decided because I had no idea what I wanted to do that. I was just going to be stupid and silly. So I decided to write about becoming a sumo wrestler. Um, (laughs) and had, we had to make some kind of little, like some kind of little like thing mounted on a popsicle with our person that she hung around the room. So I had this big sumo wrestler in the middle of all the, like, you know, doctors or lawyer, whatever kids wanted to be. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I was kind of proud of myself for that. Um, I'm sure you're, I'm sure your teacher appreciated, appreciated uh-huh. it too. Uh, you yeah. know, Hey, at least, I mean, I followed the assignment. It was just a silly topic. So <laughs> maybe, maybe she did. Maybe she gets, she at least is something different. Yeah. Um, any fond memories of this or this time period, Clifton? Yeah. So I said, I think, I think this is the second time I ever left my hometown to go see a band. I don't, I don't have a lot of memories of it, but I do remember seeing them on stage. I remember, that it was crazy. I remember that Joel wore that same stupid rabbit ear hat mm. thing. Um, that are in the album picks, um, kind of like that one character from Bob's burgers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember that Adam would get up from the drums and just run around in circles sometimes. Um, I remember that Christian told bad jokes, things like that. Yeah. Was and it was this a lot of fun in 1996, probably, or maybe no, early no, 97. 
It would have been, it probably was right after Banana Man came out. Okay. It's a little bit after this. Yeah. 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 I think I, I went to Cornerstone in 96 first year. I'm positive I would have seen them mm-hmm. there. I just struggled to remember all the stuff I saw. Um, okay. But I think I saw them. I did see them later a couple other times that I remember better. Um, but yeah, they were fun live. There is a video on YouTube. Uh, I think I sent you the link to it of them playing a show in 95. Mm-hmm. And based on just like, you can kind of see out the window in it and based on the thing. And it looks like it was part of a festival. It looks like summer of 95. So a full year yeah. really before this comes out and it's fun to watch. I haven't watched the whole thing. I mean, it's a full set, um, but it, it, you could just see how much fun they're having playing mm-hmm. live and how silly they are and how ridiculous. And so you get that sense already of like why people talked about their live show and why bill power upon playing with them was like, Oh wait, this is there. There's something here. Yeah. We need yeah. to maybe look into signing these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That was that. And a lot, what surprised me really is how solid the songs were. Like some of the, some of the arrangements were different than what would appear on the album, but a lot of the songs were very similar to, to uh, what would show up on the album. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Um, one of them though was just like the same music, but then it just had like one word being screamed through the whole thing, but it wasn't like the song that we know today. Yeah. I forget which one though. Yeah. I think the beginning they start off and say something like, I think they, when they start, they just scream and play a bunch of like random notes and they're like, <laughs> that song was called chaos. And then they all run off the stage <laughs> or something. Anyway, it's just like really silly and dumb, but um, yeah. you could tell they're having fun. Yeah. Um, uh, so Clifton, any expectations? But well, actually, let me ask: Have you listened to this since yeah. that time period? Yeah. So it's, okay. You know, yeah, it was hard to have expectations going looking back because I've I knew what it was. You know, okay. I will say though that it was it was better produced than I remembered, but that may just be because Banana Man is so poor, sounds so bad. You know, the production on it is so bad that hearing this one again, I was like, oh, this this actually is really well produced. Yeah, like I have a couple little quibbles with a few of like <laughs> the sound, but overall, mm-hmm. like it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's not it's not bad at all. Um, yeah. And actually, well, I'll say I have not listened to this much between now and then, but a, a few times and a few of the songs I just really like, like Seasons and stuff, so I've definitely yeah. listened to those again. Um but I'll just say, as we're getting into this, I, when I went back and listed, I was impressed with like, I guess some of the song arrangements, like, like you said, they're not like super complex. I mean, this is not like, <laughs> you know, some weird ass time signatures or something, but like, they right. just, it's well done. And you, there's little things in a lot of the songs that you're like, oh, that's, that's a nice addition. It's like something very simple, but they added maybe like a drum fill or there's a start yes. stop here, or there's some background vocals here. It's simple stuff, but you're like, that's actually a really nice touch. They, they, they are good at adding start stops, you know, which w- would become a big thing for me later on with, with bands like braid, you know? Um, but yeah, they're, they're really good at things like that. And, and, and of having like just maybe everything drop out for a second, except for drums or something like that. They are, they're really good at doing that kind of stuff of, of not just letting things, you know, cause you could just let things continue on, you know, as, as in the steady state. Right. But they are good at just, making quick little changes and then getting back to the, to what they're doing. But it, but it gives it a lot of interest, I guess. Yeah. I think just one more thing before we jump into it. I think some of this is, you know, they've been playing a lot of these songs for a long time. They also kind of postponed, like you said, signing to tooth and nail 
until Adam was 18. And so there's mm-hmm. just, you know, that video, for instance, that we're talking about shows seasons, which is not on either EP, but then mm-hmm. playing it live. And it doesn't right. sound, it sounds a little different in the lyrics. I even noticed there's a few lines yeah. that are different, but it sounds pretty similar. And so I think that also shows like, you know, in a way there was a maturity to the band already for this first album at least with the way they wanted to sound and so maybe they had enough time to kind of go in and tweak this stuff and add a few you mm-hmm. know things and just it sounds good for a debut album for sure oh yes yeah i agree but you also have to remember that there's a there is that wide disparity in, in ages you know here where 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 conrad is you know at that one show that you're talking about 1995 conrad's already 22 years old at that point so probably so is christian you know so you know, there there is some maturity coming there. Not a lot, you know, right. twenty two year olds, but yeah, I think you know, back there, when I was twenty two, but yeah, but, <laughs> but still, yeah, better than eighteen. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've been playing together for a long time, and that really, no matter what, if you just play together, you're gonna get better, and you're gonna find those little moments with each other. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, shall we jump into it? Let's do it. All right, Clifton, tell us about the first song, "Body Juggler." All right. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what every song who is written by because from the uh, from the uh, liner notes this one is written by uh, words by Joel and Conrad music by Joel. Uh, so it, this is our first song. It starts off with a really fast kind of drum roll and joined them by guitars, and then they do that thing where they kind of pause. They do a lot of pause in this album, and 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 what's funny is I mentioned Braid right, but the stop starts in this album aren't kind of that like post punk Fugazi type thing. They're more tongue in cheek, I think. <laughs> um, where, where they're they're more, it's more like every time they come come, come to a stop like that, it's almost like the band is is winking at you or something like that. Yeah, there's especially one long one in here that definitely yes. feels like that. <laughs> uh, and, but I think what you're really going to notice is just like how like the drums first off are just like crisp and they're just like machine guns. Mm-hmm. The guitars are full and hairy. The The bass is driving and clear. Um, it's melodic and catchy, but still with that edge and energy, you know, from, from, from pop punk. So in those first 35 seconds, we got through the intro, the first verse, and the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> so Joel's vocals, he's very, very fast. He's singing very quickly here, you know, kind of spitting out words almost on the edge of being too fast to, to get your brain around. And, and this is something um, Conrad points out in that interview, uh, uh, that podcast interview that he does, that Joel doesn't have like a typical kind of like tenor, obnoxious kind of post-punk vocals right he 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 has more of he's kind of more in the baritone range which kind of gives this a little bit of a different feel from just like green day or or mxpx or blink 182 you know i I think it almost has more like of a jawbreaker feel to it because of that that slightly different voice to it that's not it's not your typical uh, pop-punk voice so a lot of the vocals are basically shouted 
Um, and they're joined um, uh, with usually with gang vocals by by Jamie and Adam. And the chorus is, as you heard there, almost every Goaty Hook song, well, at least on this album. I don't know. I, I haven't dissected Banana Man as much, but on this album, most choruses are just like one or two lines, some repetition, some long held out notes, and then right back to what they were doing. <laughs> and a lot of background vocals on yes, a lot of a lot the of choruses. Vocals, Actually, yes. I think probably every song on this album has background vocals. Yes. Like there's a is, lot of it going in on this and it's good. It, it actually yeah, adds to it. Yeah. yeah. Which is one thing I think, I think I've mentioned this to you before, which is, you know, as I was leaving Christian music and trying to get into other kinds of music or not trying, but just getting into other kinds of music. And I would listen to more non-Christian punk. They just never had these kind of like melodic background vocals that maybe I'm just spoiled by Goaty Hook. Maybe Goaty Hook is just really good at that, but I love the background vocals and the, and the melodies um, mm-hmm. on this album. Yeah. All right. Um, and it's really a pretty straightforward song. I'm not going to do a lot of analysis of this song song wise, but there is one point here. I'm going to skip to where there is an extra, that extra long kind of tongue in cheek pause that we just discussed here a second ago in, in the, in the second or third voice chorus. And, and then they go into a bridge um, with the chorus vocals on top, which is probably the best moment in the song. You can see there it is fast. It's energetic. A lot of fast chord changes. Um, I love the melodies. I love the the vocals on top of each other from two different things going on there. Probably not, you know, probably not one of the top five songs on the album, but a great opening song, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a good song. I, I agree with you. That last part I like quite a bit. Um, not my favorite, but uh, it's a good one to open with. And um, I think that last part you played is kind of that is the Goaty Hook sound mm-hmm. on this album. You yes. know, it's got some like multiple background vocals over the kind of main ones. It's got some other background vocals. It's got that nice guitar tone. It's just that's it for this album. Yeah. And it's really good. I agree. Yeah. Want to dive into some lyrics here? Yeah. And I'm just going to tell you, Clifton, that and you're not going to be surprised that I back in the day really had no idea what the hell they were singing about on this because i don't usually read the lyrics very much and he says it so fast so fast like i could make out certain parts and it's like oh something about god you know like i I think a lot of times back in the day it was just like oh as long as i know this is christian it will pass muster with like family (laughs) tests and i won't feel bad about listening to it so yay you know and i'm just like singing along have no idea what they're saying and then going back through it for this like who wow this song oh man Um, this one is this one's bad. I definitely never knew. I never. I never <laughs> knew what the song was about when I was a kid. The other there's other songs that I definitely took more interest in, and I knew the lyrics and all that, you know. 
But this song, I had no clue what it was about until I went back and, and looked, looked at it for this. It's not a long song, and there's a lot of stuff no. in this. Like, not not good stuff. No. Um, <laughs> so, Jay, once again, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in our ringer here, the oh uh, voice to text, uh, so that we don't have to re- read the lyrics. Okay. Okay. She can only see past certain views. She doesn't think that she will lose. And with this, we just cannot get along. I must admit, I like her a lot. This infatuation just won't stop. And in the end, I know I must be wrong. I wonder, I wonder why. Indication of infatuation complicates the situation. It's making me search out a real escape. This creation of this relation and concentration of admiration has got me dumb and all bent out of shape. But I'm ignorant, stubborn, and stupid. I won't take the time to give in to the fact that I must wait and let him show me where to begin. If I go ahead and try to find her by myself, I'll make a mistake. When will I learn that this big decision is not mine to fully make? With this now that I must mention, so that I can stop this stupid tension and free myself from feeling selfish greed. My sinful motives and bad intentions has been brought to my attention, and even now I know I deny need. <laughs> I mean, it was clear they were trying to, like, kind of move things around to fit in some of these certain words and, you know, make the rhyme yes. scheme and stuff work. Um, yes. But, whew, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where do you want to start on this? Well, there's a lot of big words. I don't know what the first verse is talking about at all. Do you? Really? No. She can only see past certain views. She doesn't think that she will lose. And with this, we can just not get along. I mean, I'm my take on that was, and this is based on the context and the rest of the song, my take on that is something about her beliefs, it's just not going to work with me being a Christian. Okay. okay. Like basically that part about, and he says, I must admit, I like her a lot. This infatuation just won't stop. And in the end, I know I must be wrong. So like, I have a crush on this girl. I like this girl a lot, but she's got certain views that like, just, there's no way to work. So I must be wrong. My crush must be wrong. Exactly, which is like My feelings must be wrong. super problematic, right? <laughs> yes, now yes. we both know exactly what this is, and and yep. like this, we both have lived this probably. But like, yes, um, yeah, exactly. Like my body telling me something, my feeling, my emotions; those must be wrong because this right. person is not a Christian, right? If, but is she not a Christian? I don't think. Like, I don't even maybe, know. Maybe you can read that into it, but I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's more just like. We have difference of opinions that we can't get past. Yeah. We're not the same kind of Christian. Like maybe she, maybe she's a Methodist. Oh God. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's something like that. I just took it as like, God is not in favor of this. Therefore I cannot like her, even though I do, um, which hello, this just teaches us, you know, all those things like (laughs) deny your feelings. Feelings are bad, you know? Yeah. And, and not just deny your feeling, but like, don't tr- like, and I understand like the message of you can't trust your feelings is fine to a certain extent, you know, mm. <laughs> because when you're, when you're fucking 14 year olds, you know, what you, you know what you can't trust your fucking feelings. I mean, cause you, cause, uh, okay. Okay. Fair. But like, <laughs> this is but way this is too, too far. far. Yeah. Thank this you. This is too okay, far. Thank right. you. Yeah. Like, the, there's no, there was never any kind of 
qualification put on that, right? There was never like, hey, you have endorphins and hormones running through your body. Then you, it's going to make you feel things that you probably shouldn't act on because it's probably not the smartest thing to do in right. our society. Because <laughs> our society isn't built in such a way that you, sh- that you can act on those in, a, in such a way that you will have a successful life later. It was never said like that. It was just, <laughs> you're evil. <laughs> right. It was like, I can't trust myself. My emotions will lead me astray. Mm-hmm. You know, and because you're evil, that's it. Yeah. And that's a dangerous <laughs> thing to like, kind of take in and then apply and live by later. And like become ingrained inside of you as a fundamental part of who you are. Right. Like, uh-huh. That's, that is, that's pro- pro- probably why I still go to therapy. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> oh no, definitely. It's, it's, part of my journey is trying to like reconnect with my feelings and know what the hell I am feeling half the time. Yeah. When I'm in therapy, that is literally what I talk about with my therapist sometime. And I know not that it's from Goaty hook, but I know that it's from (laughs) this culture that they're so exemplifying in this song, you know, um, that has been spoiler alert. That has been something I think that we both looked at this album. We're kind of like, Oh shit. Like they're wow. (laughs) Like, you know, really like Goaty Hook musically, but man, there's this is like this is that culture of the times. Like, and here's the thing that I'm going to say: I think that Goaty Hook captures the culture without saying the culture is necessary. It's more. I don't think that they're preaching the culture. I don't think. I don't think that Joel's sitting here with this song and being like, "Hey, you also shouldn't like someone if it's not." You know, I think it's more just it's a more a description of what he's living. No, not yeah. so much. Okay, and fair, and that probably gets back to the preachy thing at the beginning. Yeah, okay, yes. right. Like it's more his thing, but I, it it just it so reminds me of stuff I felt 100%. at that time, or stuff I heard talked about or preached or whatever. And it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I appreciate the chorus, even though it's simple. I wonder, I wonder why. You know, I don't know about you, but I definitely had like a, a crush that I couldn't get over. You know, when I was young and you kind of start thinking like, why would God allow these feelings to, which I think is what he's saying here, you know, like why, why, why are these feelings here if I'm not allowed to act on them? Okay. I was trying to clear. I wasn't sure exactly what he meant in the chorus with, I wonder why I also was wondering what the name body juggler means. That That's a whole different question that I have for later. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I wondered if that was connected to that, but, but yeah, that makes sense. Just like I like her. I can't be with her because I've convinced myself that that's what God doesn't, God doesn't want me to. So um, I'm torn. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, So the second verse um, is not a whole lot. doesn't shine much more light on this. I don't think Um, indication of infatuation complicates the situation. It's making me search out a real escape. This creation of this relation and concentration of admiration has gotten me dumb and all been out of shape, which I think is just a way of saying he has a crush on somebody. Right. And I, you know, and I'm going to give them credit. I do like some of these lines like yes. that, especially those last, especially actually this verse. They're, they're kind of fun. It's a fun way to say I have a crush. Yes. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> but it's nice. Yeah. I, I yeah. hate some of the other lyrics in the song, but I do like yeah. this part. It's, it's, it's fun and clever. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So then we get into the bridge here, which is probably the most problematic yeah, part of the yeah, song. Yeah, don't I think. like this part. <laughs> All right, um, but I'm ignorant, stubborn, and stupid. I won't take the time to give in. 
to the fact that I must wait and let him show me where to begin. If I go ahead and try to find her by myself, I'll make a mistake. When will I learn that this big decision is not mine to fully make? Well, let's just start at the beginning of this, but I'm ignorant, stubborn, and stupid. <sighs> yeah. And and I know that like he can be self-deprecating. I know that he may not fully mean it, but unfortunately, like this is kind of some of the stuff we're taught, right? Mm-hmm. From that. Yeah. And so that that's what's problematic that's- is like you yourself, the internalization. Yeah, like I myself am bad, my sinful nature, original sin, I can't trust myself, all that stuff. Uh, I can right. only trust God. Um, ugh, that, that does not set you up for long-term, like mental health, you know, like a lot, lot mm-hmm. of things are going to you, – you start believing that and really taking that in, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and so Joel's writing this, you know – He's somewhere in between Conrad's age and and Adam's age. So let's say that he's 20 when he's writing this, maybe 19. And that's just way, I mean, look, and I know I was there. I was also obsessed with finding the one and quote unquote, whatever, not, you know, but like that is just way too much pressure for a teenager to have. Right. Right. I mean, when that's another point, we hadn't even directly talked about is this is saying basically that whole, like, I mean, in some ways I think it's even part of purity culture. Right. But that whole, like, there's one out there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that God has chosen the one for you. Um, We see that in some of the other albums we've gone through, you know, even like, I love this album too, but that Mer babies album comes to mind. He's got Mm -hmm. one song kind of like this and it's just, Oh God. Like, I don't even know. A, I don't think that that is actually biblical um, necessarily. It, right. Even if it is, I think it's really problematic. <laughs> and it's it, definitely if it, if it is biblical, I'm not sure where. Like the only thing you could say is like God had the plan. Okay, well then we can get to there. But like if you actually look at the Bible and the stories in the Bible, nowhere in there is it like God ever say, "Hey, that's the person I chose for you" or anything like that. You know, <laughs> like. I mean, the the greatest love of David's life was someone he had someone else murdered to be with, you know? Like, I mean, just... Yeah, also, like, (laughs) let's just go down this road just a tiny bit. If he does have someone for you, how are you supposed to know? Are you just going to pray one day and, like, a name or a picture is going to pop into your head? You'll just know. You'll know, know, Jim. Yeah, most of the time you actually might want to try dating them or getting to know them. So it's... Which is... Which is the key to that pressure, right? Because there's so much pressure put on us at that age to not make a mistake. So, Mm. like, avoid dating if you can because you're going to make a mistake when you start dating, right? But also, how are you supposed to, like, know any fucking thing about anybody if you don't date? How are you supposed to – like, you can't even really know much about yourself romantically until you date, (laughs) you know? And also, when you avoid dating so much because of this, when you do date, it makes it a way bigger thing than it needs Mm -hmm. to be. Right. Which is also not healthy. Um, Yeah, this is... And again, we're not saying that we know that Joel or whoever actually wrote this line, you know, believes all this to the fullest extent or what all that means for him. But like... (sighs) It captures the culture, though. It does. Yeah, it does. And yeah. Yeah. And not, not just culture, it captures the culture. And at least it captures my experience seems to capture your experience. It seems to be a capture of his experience, right? So it's mm-hmm. not 
this is something somewhat, at least somewhat universal that we can talk about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the last verse there. Cause there's some <laughs> lovely stuff in that too. All right. You want to read that one? He says with this now that I must mention so that I can stop the stupid tension and free myself from feeling selfish greed my sinful motives and bad intentions have been brought to my attention. Even now I know I deny need. So this is even more confusing to me because I think he, he's going from like, this seems to be more an acknowledgement of maybe a carnal lust type thing, you mm-hmm. know, which nowhere else in the previous part of this song have I felt that this is about lust, yeah. you know, but now it's here. <laughs> And then it ends with, even now I know I deny need. And maybe like deny my need, but it just didn't right. fit with the way they were saying it. Yeah. Right. Which I, which is what I, what, what, how I'm reading it. Right. Like, and I'm, I'm just going to pull from my own experiences of being a kid once again, that like, you know, especially as a, as a young person, but even at any age, when you feel a romantic attraction to someone, it also manifests itself in physical desires, right? Sure. So even if your attraction to someone is the most quote unquote godly thing ever, someone can still label it carnally sinful. Yep. Because that's how fucking as humans we're fucking wired. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, I don't know. That, that's what I get from this is that he acknowledges that he doesn't want to be lonely. He acknowledges that he needs that kind of partnership in his life. But he's like, well, too bad. I don't know. It's I just, just hate how that says my sinful motives and bad intentions. Like, yeah. Desiring someone is not a sinful or bad. Inten- I mean, right. sure. Like, we can take it to certain extremes, you know, obviously rape is bad and all this, but this is not what he's saying here. (laughs) I don't think. And so like, you know, manipulation's bad, all that kind of stuff. Right. right? I just, I I hate that. Like, and and the reason I say this is because I think I felt this way. I'm sure you felt this Mm -hmm. way. I hate that. Like so many of us felt bad and were made to feel bad about normal human desires and things like, and that's what really kind of gets me with the song. It's just like, these are normal human emotions. You don't need to feel bad about them. In fact, you right. should be feel good because you have them and you're human. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. Which brings us to the title of the song, which you already brought up. Body Juggler. Which implies this kind of... I guess it implies, even from my perspective today, a really kind of vulgar kind of like, oh, I'm just out here touching all the bodies I can kind of thing, you know, like, like just going, going through them as fast as I can. Is that, I don't know. What do you get from the, what do you get from it? Well, it's funny as we were talking and as you said it, it struck me maybe, yeah, maybe that, or maybe like it's an internal thing with him where he feels like he's like, in two different bodies or in mult because he's mm. like, you know, the whole struggle between the spirit and the flesh, that kind of mm. stuff that I think is garbage. But, but at the time, you know, that, idea. Yeah. so I don't know. I, it's okay. probably somewhere maybe with both. Who knows? Okay. I like that better than mine. 
<laughs> I don't know. Touching all the bodies is fun. So, <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about that one? Nope. I think we can move on. <laughs> okay. Song number two, Seasons. All right. So this one is uh, Words by Joel and Conrad, music by Joel again. And this was also, by the way, on Songs from the Penalty Box, track 20, which was later. Um, probably the last comp that came out before Banana Man came out. Um, but anyways, uh, like I said, I don't necessarily remember the first time that I heard Goody Hook, but this song was probably pretty convincing to me that I should listen to everything that they ever wrote. <laughs> Um, because this is just one of the better, best songs on the album, Jay. Clifton, I have found a hill to die on, and it is this, okay. that this is their best song. Ever. For me, yes. I'm okay. going to be honest, I didn't listen to their last stuff as much, so I may yeah, take I mean, it back one day, but right now, I'm planting my stake in the ground. I think this is their best song. Okay, I can see that, you know, because... I think for me, the songs that's going up against are almost nothing off Banana Man is as good as anything on this album, as far as I'm concerned. Um, So from this album, it's going up against like Shrinky Dinks, Scared Am I, Maybe Never, you know? Mm -hmm. And Scared Am I is a different kind of song. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a far more serious song than this one is. Uh, So maybe Shrinky Dinks is its main competitor. And I think it is better than Shrinky Dinks. Yeah. And this song is like, it's not silly like some of the other ones on this. It's just not like uber serious. Like, right. No, it's just a, it's, this is a fun song. Yeah. Not a goofy song. Right. That said, it does start off with three kind of long held out guitar strums, like they're fucking rock stars, you know, and a quick one, two, three, four. And then everything comes crashing in. It's fantastic with this great guitar riff. Let's listen to it. So once again, we got that playful pause in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's obnoxious, but it also just feels like the band, like, I feel like if they're playing this live, they stop and they kind of like wink at you a little bit and they, then they then they go into the, into the song, you know? Yeah. This is one, again, from that 95 footage that they did start differently. They had like a longer kind of slower intro mm-hmm. building in, but I love the way this starts with the one, two, three you know and then they just jump into it and then that lead guitar really like makes the song that melody is so great um and yeah i love the little there's some little pauses in there and even like i don't know if you've played this part yet but even the drums on this carry a little bit of the melody and are really nice that like when he says seasons change you know like right it's just like it's just a very good song (laughs) <laughs> it is. So, so there's several things I want to, so I want to point out that in that opening, they did the kind of pause, the obnoxious pause there and the, and the vocal started in that pause, right? It mm-hmm. was a, and then they go into it. Right. Right. So then we get, we're, we're going to get into the chorus here in a second. And yes, listen to the drums on this course because they are fantastic. It, really Adam's drumming is maybe one of the best things on this album. It's just so crisp. And he changed, he, he, 
he changes things up enough that it almost changes the entire song. Even though the entire song is doing the same thing it was before, when he changes, it feels like the song changes. I agree, right? and I'll just say I didn't realize how young he was when they recorded this. And now yeah. knowing that, it, yeah, I have even <laughs> more admiration for this because the drums are yes. great on this album. I agree. Um, and then what I want you to real what you, I want you to pay attention to is that after the chorus, we're going to go back into that opening um, riff. But this time, the instead of having a pause, the the vocals for the second chorus are going to for the second verse are going to start on top of the riff, and it just it, it gives it this really great energy. I think. <laughs> The the seasons change. Ta, 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 yep. ta. I mean, just it's classic. Like like for for a rhythm. I mean, you know, we're from the West. Our minds on music are kind of all about melodies and stuff. I think, but that rhythm is just that rhythm can stay in your head. Yeah. Um, like I said, I love that the that those that the vocals start kind of into the uh, in, in, in on top of that riff there for the second part. And I think that Joel's vocals here are, are are really special. And you can really see that here in the second verse that's coming up. The way that he comes up kind of from below with since that I was leaving in the first line. And then in the second line, um, he kind of has a staccato rhythm. But I just let it run dry. Like kind of like, like that just stopped. But I just kind of thing there. Listen to that. It was a cool So then we get that kind of, I don't know, you want to call it thrashy kind of solo there, Jay? Yeah, and that part's great too. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry, I just think this song is fantastic. Like, I just really, this is what I kept finding myself going back over and over and over to and just really enjoying. Yeah. So. And, and I think it's also that kind of thing that doesn't show up on Banana Man, that kind of just, I, I, I assume that's Conrad because it happens a lot in his songs. Maybe it's not, but that that solo there with he has kind of a really sharp way of playing, just like that. It has that nice troubliness to it without being too far, without being like mm-hmm. ear splitting or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, in the fourth and final verse, uh, everything but one guitar is allowed to drop out for the first two lines, um, which kind of really brings an emphasis on the mo- emotional resolution that this the, this verse provides. And I'm not sure, but there, I think there might be a key change before the, uh, the final riff. Yeah. 
maybe that last riff is just played at a lower octave than the than the previous riffs were. I don't know, but sounds great. Yeah, I think the the funny thing about this song is the chorus is honestly not that special. Like seasons change. <laughs> Seasons change, but yeah, but see, you're right. Which is most Cody Hook stuff. But that drum part mm-hmm. fits in so well that you can't help but make that when you're singing it. <laughs> you really yes. can't. And then like that, those guitar parts throughout are so memorable too. It just everything works together on the song really well. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, a very it nice blend, and it just overall comes out great song. I have not gotten tired of it yet. I will probably nope. continue to listen to it. <laughs> um. Yeah, really like this one. I will also say, and I know we're going to jump to him in a second, but this one, like the lyrics are palatable for me, even yes. today. Um, I don't, I mean, in some ways it's a little silly because it's like, oh, there's four seasons, four, you know, four, <laughs> <laughs> four verses. You could see what they're doing, but like, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's fine. But, but you, 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 you want to listen to the lyrics now? Uh, Oh, great. Are you going to do this for every song? (laughs) It was a soft summer night when you came into my life. I thought it was a dream when your hand reached out for me. There was something there that I couldn't compare, and I knew that you were the only one for me. Seasons change. It was a cool autumn's eve when you sensed that I was leaving. A tear came to your eye, but I just let it run dry. You said don't go away. But I just left you anyway. I wasn't sure if you were the one for me. Seasons change. It was a cold winter's morning. I had been up all night, crying. I knew I'd done you wrong. I'd been astray for oh so long. I'm on my knees in pain. I wish things had stayed the same. And I just hope that you will take me back. Seasons change. It was a warm spring's night when you let me back inside. I thought it was a dream, but you still cared for me. Your love filled my heart. Nothing could tear us apart. And I knew that you were the only one for me. Seasons change. Okay. Oh, God. You're going to do that every song, aren't you? I am. Jesus. Um, okay. Fine. Uh, you know, one question I had with this, and it's maybe just because I was kind of scarred from the first song, but um, do you think this might not actually be about a romantic relationship? It might be about God? Of course it might be. Okay. It makes less sense that way. It does. Um, There's a few parts that are a little bit weird. Yeah. A tear came to your eye, but I just let it run dry. Like that doesn't make as much sense for God. I don't think. I agree. You know, but I think that it's kind of written to be vaguely either way, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to pretend it's not because I think it's better that way. Yeah. I think it could be either one, but either way that you, that you interpret it, I think that it's kind of a classic story that's told cleverly through four seasons and it's, it's a nice little sentiment. Yeah. Um, well, it's a great song. I really like it. Um, I think one of their best ever, I know that they are still playing this on some of the reunion shows. Like I watched mm-hmm. their set. That was just a video somebody made from furnace fest and they definitely played this song. So cool. And I'm hoping that if they continue to play a few shows, I'm hoping to make it out to one maybe. And, you know, hoping they still play this. So yeah, that'd be nice. I will say, though, that maybe the one thing that makes a song work lyrically is that the last, the second, second line of the, uh, of the last verse echoes the second line of the first verse. The first verse is, I thought it was a dream when your hand reached out for me. 
and the last verse is, I thought it was a dream, but you still cared for me. Mm. That kind of, that's okay. kind of what ties the song together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great song seasons. I have a feeling when we do top 10 at the end of the year, this is definitely going to be on my list. Yep. So unless something crazy happens, but yeah. Uh, should we jump to song number three, South Capitol street? All right. So this one is words and music by Joel. I have less to say about this. You know, it's not the most memorable song on the album, but I think it is still a good, solid song. And I don't think it's skippable. I I really don't think that many of the songs on this album are skippable. You might disagree with me there, Jay, because you were so against doing every song on this album. <laughs> um, I mean, eh, it's fine. We're yeah. doing every song now, so I'm, <laughs> I'll go with it. This is another right. one, though, that the chorus is just like, um, yeah, n- not that much to it, but it kind of works. Yeah. I don't know. So, you know, in that interview that Conrad did, he, he mentioned that if he had to go back and rewrite these songs, that he would maybe, he, he said that you make them longer, but I think what he, what he meant by that when he expanded was when he elaborated was that he would have like pre-choruses and things like that. But just like, I'm not sure it's necessary. Like, look, I love a good pre-chorus, but, I don't know that it's necessary. I think there's something to the, and we're really, we'll, we'll get into it with the next song, Ukla the Punk, where I st- I'm actually going to do like a little, maybe, no, maybe I do it on track boy, where I do a little breakdown of how the song goes. Um, but there's just, I think it would break the energy of the song too much. If you actually have like a pre-chorus, you know, like there's something about just having that quick little, chorus that only deviates from the verse for a little while is that's part of the energy that that they bring here with uh with these songs why don't you uh you want to play us a little bit at the beginning of this one yeah um i'm gonna play about a minute in where the, there's the chorus and after the chorus there's a bunch of ooze kind of because that's what they do um and then there's a guitar riff you know and yeah okay I like that uh, kind of very fast kind of lead guitar riff there. Once again, it feels like a little bit of metal influence on the song and it works pretty well. I think. Yeah. This song has the most to me straight ahead kind of punk drums or maybe like skate punk type drums mm-hmm. yeah. on it. Um, Adam does quite a bit of fills in this too, which I don't yes. always love, but it actually works really well on this a lot of bands can be obnoxious when they do too many fills and i never feel that way about adam yeah no it works really well it's impressive this is also just really fast and not i don't think this is easy to play and so it's impressive again that he's pretty young and playing this way um yeah i like all the stuff you mentioned the song overall it's just not it's just not as catchy for some reason as you know seasons um I think there's some strong parts to it, like that part. And I also want to play another part here, which is kind of going into the second verse. I really like the palm muting uh, pattern that's kind of used for the guitars here.
I also like those those calm rolls that he does. Yep. There. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about that song musically? Well, no, but I want to talk about the lyrics. Okay. Um, are are you? Let going me play to, him first. Uh, not really, but go ahead. <laughs> if I understood back then, what is so easy to see now? I could have stopped myself from falling far behind. The changes I want will only come if I could turn things down. So I search my heart where I know he lies, but then I turn around. I should have walked away. With each passing day, I feel the way I did the day before. And the things that haunt me stay the same. I won't let them go. I pray and ask for help, but then walk down that cursed road where one waits with what I crave and my lusting hunger grows. I should have walked away. Sometimes I must give up things that I want so bad. But it's these things in the end that I wished I'd never had. I should have walked away. So, Clifton, a couple questions I have for you. First of all, what do you think, just in general, like what, what's that song about? I don't know, drugs? Yeah, I mean, I mean the basic message, right, that I took is like... um. I keep doing something I don't want to do. Basically I should have walked away, but I keep walking down this road. Uh, you know, I pray and ask for help, but then walk down that cursed road. Mm. Um, you know, and then he says where one waits with what I crave and my lusting hunger grows. Like, um, Mm. and so then my other, maybe, maybe his fuck buddy lives on this, on this road. Well, that's just what I was going to ask you. What (laughs) is on South Capitol street? Because like, this is actually a road, by the way, that is a large, main road um southern part of washington dc and you know it's it's tw- what do we say 28 years later so i'm sure the same places are not there whatever it right. was but i really curious yeah sex drugs what is it i don't know it's a good question hmm. well if anyone knows what was on south capitol street please share because I am very curious. Um, if it was like me when I was in high school, it was probably something really stupid that I thought was like really bad, but looking back on is not a big deal. Yeah, like a video game. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Or like I smoked a cigarette or something. I don't know. But like, um, yeah. <laughs> That's just drugs, Jay. Smoking a cigarette is just drugs. Oh, shoot. You're right. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't have... Any inter- like, honestly, I didn't have any interpretations for this song. I was just like, yep, that's a song. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go to the next one, which, um, well, we'll just jump into it. Ookla the Punk. Tell us about it, Clifton. Ookla the Punk. Okay. So this is our first really silly song, Jay. Mm-hmm. Which I found incredibly annoying when I was a kid. And honestly, I didn't care for it much. But I remember my friends loving it. Honestly, I like it now more than I did back then. Maybe I was too serious a person back then. I don't know, Jay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's it's still a stupid song. Like, don't get me wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Jay, do you know where the name Ookla comes from? I do. Oh. Well, <laughs> fuck you. It Sorry. Took me a while. I don't want to ruin your setup. <laughs> Go ahead, Clifton. <laughs> so, I was like, well, Ookla is a very specific thing, right? I felt like it had to be a thing, right? So, I started searching for it, and the first thing I found was a, a reggae band called Ookla the Mock out of Hawaii. Um, but I figured that couldn't be just a coincidence, right? That's Ookla the Punk, Ookla the Mock. That's too, that's too similar, right? Mm-hmm. So, it took a long time for me to find 
this because honestly, that reggae band has very good search engine optimization and everything that came up in the first <laughs> several pages of Google were for this band. But eventually I found Thundar the Barbarian, which I guess you already know about, Jay. Sorry, I was really excited to tell you about it. But yes, play the intro in case well, okay. in case you've forgotten your Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, so this is a Saturday morning cartoon that ran for 21 episodes from 1980 to 1981, Thundar the Barbarian. Thundar the Barbarian. Which, is this just a He-Man ripoff? 1994, from out of space comes a runaway battle between the Earth and the Moon, unleashing cosmic destruction. Man's civilization is cast in ruin. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old. A world of savagery, super science, and sorcery. But one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice. With his companions, Ukla the Mock and Princess Ariel, he pits his strength, his courage, and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil. So I don't know if you caught that, Clifton, but actually the prediction in that was that the world will basically going to end in 1994. Yeah, yeah. And then 2,000 years later, you know, reborn. But um, You know, it's a pretty good premise, I think, actually, for a cartoon. Yeah, I mean. I would watch it. Not bad. It looks super corny. Yeah, so I will tell but, you the only reason I know that, Clifton, is I went back through the, you know, old Christian music, Usenet, or whatever they're called, archives from the mid nineties and Conrad of all people posted in the fall of 96. Um, someone said they liked Ukul the punk and he was like, you know, go back and look at Thundar the barbarian. If you want to know where the name uh, came from. So I was like, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so as you heard there, Ukla the mock is one of the characters. He's kind of a giant Yeti type character. Yeah. It looks, it looks pretty corny. Honestly, like there's no way you can tell me that like th- this guy literally looks like he man. Yeah, but what came first? When did He-Man come out? I mean, anyway, this is we're going to go down a rabbit hole. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You're looking it up. Okay. <laughs> 1983. So this oh, was first. He-Man copied Thundar. Mind wow. blown. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the characters look really similar. I agree. It does look similar. It does make you wonder. Look, in the, anyways, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe He-Man copied this. Crazy. Okay. But this is only on for two seasons from 1980 to 1981. I guess, though, it probably re-ran a lot, though. You know how Must have made an impression on Conrad. Were. Yeah. All right. So, uh, this is Words by Goaty Hook, music by Conrad. So, the, starts, the song starts off with a kind of almost like ska-like riff. It's, it's really just a clean guitar moving very quickly, and there's not actually any upbeats. The drums and bass kind of come in, and it's you know, you know, it's it's a it's a silly song, right? There's a lot of kidding around kind of thing. Let's just listen to it. All right, so we have the clean guitar. We have the false start there. The, oh, not really. Going to do it again. And then the, Hwah! everyone screams as, as, as the song starts. And it gets, you know, it's fast. It's bouncy. Um, it goes on to be appropriately repetitive as a song. 
Um, you know, Uko the Punk is doing something with Joel's very dramatic, overacted vocals. I think one of the things to hear there from the chorus, you know, they say Ookla before every line of the chorus. And and it's like, you know, there's kind of like a mockingly, mockingly pop punk vocal of Ookla, but then also behind it, there seems to be like half a dozen people singing the name Ookla and kind of half a dozen different styles of. Yeah, it's like silly voices. Embellishment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's 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 like a ukla, kind of a kind of a one that seems almost like flamenco, one that seems almost like operatic, just things like that. Yeah. But no matter what happens in this song, it never slows down. Except <laughs> uh, at the end of the bridge, uh, the, it is, is repeated over and over again um, in a rather obnoxious way. The drums kind of here are are they they kind of slow down here once again. Adam's thing, right where the rest of the band can be doing the same thing they were before, but Adam changes what he's doing and it sounds like a huge change to the song. Got those silly drawn out vocals at the end. Yep. Yeah. But anyways, I, I do want to point out though that Adam did just like he changes his rhythm there, and it feels like literally no one else changes what they're doing. But it feels like the song changes. Right. Anyways, it's a pretty stupid song. It's silly. You know, kids love it. I think I I I do appreciate it more today than I did as a seventeen year old for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? Well, can I, <laughs> I hope you, I hope that makes the final cut. Um, can, uh, can we talk about the lyrics? Yes. You want to listen to them first? Not really. <laughs> Okla, the punk was going to the show. Okla, the punk fought Lou Ferrinino. Okla, the punk was struggling for some lyrics. Okla, the punk says anything that fits. Okla, now you're lying in the gutter. Okla hates his father and his mother. Okla, oh, your skin is just like butter. Okla the punk. Okla the punk hates everywhere he goes. Okla the punk says, what do you know? Okla the punk says, how do you do? Okla the punk says, I am better than you. Okla, smoking, drinking, now he's thinking. Okla feeling like he should be kneeling. Okla sees damnation, wants salvation. Okla the punk. I want to be saved like you, and I want to be your friend too. Okla the punk went to a revival. Okla the punk bought himself a new Bible. Okla the punk. He reads it every day.
Okla, the punk says, yippee ki yay. Okla, now we're at the end of the story. Okla, on a one-way trip to glory. Okla, now everything is hunky-dory. Okla, the punk. I couldn't get it to say Okla the right way every time. It said it the right way like one out of five times. Um, okay. I may be thinking about this too much, but... <laughs> <laughs> Does this feel and, and the reason I say this is because I remember so I mean I wasn't writing songs in a punk band, but I remember stuff like this where it's like as a Christian kid and with other Christian kids, and, and you know, definitely like this is you know, they're playing in a church, just youth group type stuff. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't just write silly songs. There almost always had to be something about God in it. So this feels kind of like what should have just been kind of a dumb little silly song kind of <laughs> gets forced into like Ukula the punk getting saved which is just like yeah. a little bit weird uh i don't know maybe that was the way they always meant it but um yeah it's a good question like it could have been a silly song without being about this you're right right it could yeah. have been a better silly song without being about this but from the very first line or so it definitely has the energy of punks are grumpy punks are sinful punks need to get saved yeah I mean, it's fine. I will also point out that this was on their very first EP, No Date, and honestly doesn't sound drastically different here. So no. it's definitely one of their oldest songs, which probably explains why it's kind of silly and dumb. Um, but, you know, here we go. It's probably not one of their oldest songs, though. Like, Seasons is probably older, but this is probably one of their first punk songs. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, I think they could have left this off the album, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> People love it, though. My friends... Loved this I mean, song. It is fun and silly. And that was one of the things about Goaty Hook. Kind of like the same vein as like Five Iron Frenzy is they did silly, dumb things that when you're like 15 and 16, yes. you thought was great. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, it fits. I agree. You could almost call it, you know, skippable, but I don't think it is. I think it's still listenable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of skippable songs, um, <laughs> shall we do track number five, Tracked Boy? All right, so this is words and music and vocals by Jamie. So this is Jamie's song, one of the guitarists. Um, so this song has a really like a minute long intro, um, which is the only reason it's over three minutes long. Uh, and like previous songs, this starts out like the previous song. It starts out with kind of a clean strum guitar, but it's not fast. Here, it's really slow. Uh, eventually, everything comes in about a minute into the song. Now, musically, this is an incredibly simple song. Um, Let me play the intro so you you can hear and I'll tell you about the song. stop and i want to know how good those guitars sound okay and they're going to continue sounding good just really thick and hairy i really love the distortion on these guitars here so what you've heard so far was literally just back and forth between d and a minor um throwing in like a second every once in a while to kind of give it a little bit of uh you know 
I don't know, interest. And what you're about to hear as we go forward is the exact same thing, just played faster. So that was just, it, I'm, I'm going to take it out of the key now and I'm just going to tell you that it's, it's, it's basically 1515-1545 one, five, one, five, one, five, five, over and over again. Almost the entire song is that way. The chorus changes a little bit and the bridge adds one, one, one uh, other um, um, chord, but that's almost the entire song is 1515-1545. One, five, one, five, one, five, five. So I think what really makes this song special, Jay, what it has going for it musically is that in its fundamental essence, this song is about being annoying, which is, as we all know, it's kind of like, that's kind of like the defining feature of pop punk is being annoying, right? So the band is really able to lean into that. So I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that this song embodies the very essence of mindless obnoxiousness that you can bob your head to. Okay. And that's why I think it's not a skippable song. I I mean I will say I do like Jamie's vocals. Um yeah, I enjoy well. that change up. Um he's yeah, he also has that song, you know, um my bike on Banana Man. I like the way he sings that too. <laughs> yeah. Um so I enjoy that. And there are a few nice moments on this, but overall, like, I don't know. But you maybe you're right. It, it is very repetitive. Yeah, but um, yep. but it's it's fine, I guess. Lyrically, I'm well. We'll get to that in a second, but you know. <laughs> and of course, like all Goody Hook songs, um, the the chorus is basically two lines with a bunch of drawn out, you know notes and some oos right yeah she walked away and she said no and i don't even want to know and i don't even want to know and i don't even want to know and really the only other time the song changes is kind of at the beginning of the third verse they kind of palm mute some things but even that's just a, the song just repeats at that point. It's just rep- repetition of the first two verses with palm muting. And it's so it's a pretty lazily writ song, written song, but I'm going to stand by my my claim here that it's not a skippable song because it is very nod. Like it's something you can just do this to. I'm nodding my head right now, guys. Um, this is also one from Boca Grande, that EP that came out, um, okay. the second EP. So this is also a little bit of an older song. You want to talk about the lyrics? Let's do it. You want to listen to them first? No. Too bad. I saw her there walking on the street. I said, excuse me, there's someone you ought to meet. She came up to me, said, what you have to say? I said, Jesus, and she turned and walked away. She walked away. And she said, no. And I don't even want to know. 
I chased her down beside her on the street. She said, oh you, I thought I left you. Leave me be. Well, just one more thing. I handed her a tract. She took one look at it and then she turned her back. And that was that. And she said no. And I don't even want to know. Can't you see that your soul means something to me? Happy you can be. Take the gift that he has here for free. Okay. In some way, these are actually interesting lyrics because it shows how silly this type of evangelism is yes. and how dumb. But I don't think that's how they meant this. Just based on like the last line or two and just the whole album. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Clifton, I have to ask you, have you ever done evangelism with tracks? Um, yeah, I don't think I have. Well, have you ever no. just done evangelism period like this? Sure. You yes. walk up to people. Yeah. How, how did it go? Not well, Jay. Not well. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing, Jay. Yeah. Kind of sucks, honestly. It feels really forced, not cool. You're talking to a complete stranger about like heavy, deep stuff. You're also presupposing that they even share your point of view about like what happens after people die. Or that they're not already Christians in society that's largely Christian. Yeah, true, true. But they might not be the right type of Christian, Kilfton. Which is really the important part. Catholic yes. or something like that. Um, yeah. So it, I don't know. I think this song just to me, I'm like, oh my God. Um, but what, what did you think lyrically? So, Jay, I, I don't know that I agree with you that they don't know. Like, I, I think the song is really self-conscious of being annoying. I think that that they know how annoying this is. Like, how, can they not see that? They, they wrote the song about it. Hmm. So it's hard for me to believe that they don't know that this is annoying. Interesting. Now, okay. All right. That said, that said, I think there's more to this. Okay. Which, I, which is really what I, I want to bring up more of the culture behind this, Jay. Okay. That I think there is a reason that adults encourage youth to evangelize like this, to push this kind of behavior, which we wouldn't do on our own, right? I think that everybody knows the rejection that's going to happen and know that when you're dismissed like this, you feel kind of like apart from the world. You feel like the world has rejected you, mm. right? Because you know what? That person's just going about their day and you're fucking annoying them. Right. But you feel like, oh, this person just rejected my God. Right. Like this person hates me. Hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Which kind of helps build this in-group mindset among members of religious community. This kind of, oh, they're all against us. It's us against them. Can't they just see that we love them no matter how badly they treat us kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just laughing, but you're right. And it does definitely cement that us against them mentality. And the whole reason it's us against them is because you're fucking annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can not leave them alone. <laughs> but how exactly. am I being persecuted? They don't want to listen. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're really annoying. Um, but yes, no, I think you're right. I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. I also think that, you know how Mormons have like a whole two years that they're supposed to go on a mission like this? Mm -hmm. I think that's the only reason that exists. I think the reason that they go on mission is to, to create a vision of the world where they have to go back home, back to Utah and be like, Oh, it's us against the world. I think it's the same reason that the Amish have whatever that year is, you know, that they're allowed to, to take off, you know, from being Amish is so they can go into the world and be like, Oh, everyone thinks I'm weird. I need to go back home. Yeah. I mean, 
I never thought about it directly like that, but you're right. It probably does just kind of cement that identity with people. And, you know, especially the Mormon thing, two years of basically doing this. And, and with that, you're not even like, I mean, you're wearing the little tie and stuff. People can see you coming a mile away. So of course right. you're going to be perceived differently. Um, and so it really gives an in, in, in and an out group. Um, and kind of really makes you feel a part of a certain small group of people. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really, really great point. huh? And that's just looking at it from this perspective, right? Now there's also the other perspective of like, you know, like you're at home at 5.30, you just got home from work, you're trying to cook some dinner so that you don't eat dinner at 8 o'clock at night, you know? Mm -hmm. And who comes knocking at your door but the Jehovah's Witnesses down the street? Yeah. And what are you going to do other than slam the door in their face? Because you know what? You're trying to make dinner. Yeah, no, just just side note for everyone. I've recently had this happen, and I tried to be. I, I, I I'll, I'll tell honest people. I don't like confrontation, and I know I probably need to get over it and be more confrontational. But I, so I try to be nice, and I've also been in their shoes a little bit, right? So yeah. you know, you try to be kind, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't have time right now, but I'll take like the pamphlet or whatever. I'm not going to read it, but it's just like uh, get them off my porch. And the problem is, by the way, everyone, they put you in like a database yes. type thing and they know to return and they even know your fucking name because they remembered it when they introduced themselves to you and you say your name and they come back even more aggressively. So do not do that. It's better just to tell them you're not interested and please don't come again. You can do it in a kind, nice way, but do not think that just taking the tract or info that they will leave you alone, they will not. Yeah, they will not. In my more assholeish times, I've literally just like, Open the door and they've been seen them and just like close the door and walk away because I just I just don't have the the bandwidth for this right now you know but like I remember in my first apartment after college um, the Saturday mornings there would there would be a group of Jehovah's Witnesses that would always come by at the exact same time and I made the mistake of talking to them one time and so they came by like at seven o'clock in the morning uh-huh. every fucking Saturday after that and I just wanted to like guys I'm just trying to sleep it's Saturday morning it's seven o'clock let me sleep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It is, you, you know, I was just going to say, like, just thinking back on the lyrics on this song a little bit. And again, I don't know exactly what they're doing here, but it is like, it's just so weird. Like coming up to somebody you don't know, trying to talk to them about God. And of course, 90 plus percent of people are going to be like, mm-hmm. no, not even maybe because they, don't care about that stuff just because it's weird to approach someone and talk about that and then people interpret it as like oh see i knew the ways of the world i knew that like Mm -hmm. we would be tested that we would be challenged you know blah 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 it's just like it's funny now looking back from this different perspective and being like what what did it what did i expect i remember one time we were doing um a, a mission trip with my church, like kind of a little small, like house church thing I was in, like, I don't know, end of college thing. And we, we went to Austin and we handed out Bibles as well as like, I don't even remember if we had tracks. It might've just been handing out Bibles, but we were pretty fucking annoying. And I remember walking, it was like downtown Austin. I remember walking around the corner and somebody had set the Bible on fire <laughs> <laughs> in the alley <laughs> and i was just like oh my god you know like like on so many different levels like offended and shocked and everything and now i'm like i mean it seems a little extreme but i'm also kind of like you know i 
kind of get it. Like, who, who knows how many other times this had happened to them, and they were probably just like, "Fuck, yeah, this." <laughs> I mean, even if you're a Christian, it gets annoying, right? Yes. You're like, "Oh my god, guys, you gotta leave me alone!" Like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to buy groceries, or I'm just trying to get to work, or I'm just, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do with your day. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'd never thought about the way you said it, Clifton. I'm going to think more about that because I think you're right, and I don't even know if consciously. These I don't think it's conscious. Set I think out it's to just, do that, yeah. but it builds that culture, mm-hmm. and that is so key for kind of maintaining that in-group. Um, and so, even though it's not really effective, it's a good. It's effective at like creating your little own community, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean because you're pulling new people in. I mean because you're kind of cementing an identity by those that are going out and doing it. And so, I guess that's why it persists. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Jay, we've still got two more songs to do. And we are going forever. Sorry, all this is going to be like four <laughs> hours total when we get done of Goaty Hook. But anyway, um, okay, let's go to song six, Scared Am I. This was kind of a big song. Like we said, it was on that mm-hmm. sampler that came out with Value Pack. It's also the song that was on the I'm the Biggest Fan comp. Like it, It's yeah. kind of a song they're known for. So we should definitely talk about it. Yeah. Um, so this one is Words and Music by Conrad. And it also has a little note that says Psalms, Psalm 23-4, which I actually did not look up. For some reason, before we started this, so let's look at it real fast. Um, oh, it's the though I walk through the valley of shadow of death thing. Okay, that's good enough. So this was absolutely my favorite song on the album when I was a kid. Um, it hits hard musically and lyrically. Um, even though you know, looking in hindsight, it might be all painted on a little bit too thick, but I really, I just really love this song. All right, so the song starts off with kind of a quick arpeggiated thing with a clean guitar, and then a second guitar comes in, and I think it plays the same pattern, but it just stays on the root chord the whole time. So it comes in, I think that's like, this may be the most um, metalish kind of influence song. I think it has like the, that kind of rhythm to like, it's just really thrashy, that dun 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 thing there. But don't worry, we're going to get to punk here in a second. So at 167 beats per minute, this is probably one of the fastest songs on the album. I don't think, I don't know if there's one faster than this. It has almost, once again, it has almost the exact same chord progression throughout the entire song with some changes in kind of speed and character. It's an F sharp minor and it, and it, it's kind of weird though. It's one, four, three, seven, which is a fairly common rock um, and metal uh, uh, guitar uh, chord progression, but not heard in punk that often. And then the chorus just changes to, instead of being one four three seven, it's just one three three seven. And then we're gonna hear listen to a little bit with the post chorus, and the post chorus does the same thing as the chorus 
but it's just a little bit faster. And it actually brings in that that kind of opening riff, that arpeggiated riff, um, just kind of faster and and distorted this time. So it's it's a pretty simple song, but it just has this really, you know, it's in, it's a, it's in a minor chord. It has this really heavy feel. I think having this um, kind of more metalish um, um, chord progression to it gives, gives it a heavier feel and not your typical punk pop punk song feel, right? Yeah. Um, so the vocals come in and it's just, it's two people um, singing, which is nice, kind of gives it this kind of heavier feel. And is Joel does a great job here of kind of um, giving this kind of like, serious dramatic but also very matter of fact delivery with the vocals I don't know if you've ever read anything by Conrad or listened to some of his podcasts. It's hard. This is Joel singing, but it's hard not to like feel like it's Conrad. Does that make sense? Yeah. This thing definitely seems like a Conrad lyric song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then we're going to get to the chorus, which like all Goody Hook songs is seamlessly transitioned into two lines without like, some held out notes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, that kind of transitional piece there was mainly kind of just that opening arpeggiated riff again, but this time distorted. Um, So yeah, it's fast. It sounds great to me. There is uh, the the kind of second time that transition piece happens. It's a little more thrashy. I want to listen to that a little bit here. throughout the entire song and are really that really smooth but then right there at the kind of emotional kind of payoff of the, of the song we get that kind of staccato like um i forget what the exact words are but uh she knows in the future that things will be all right or something like yeah that. yeah she knows in the future that things will be all right yeah yeah he almost yells right there and he has that a couple times on this album he his vocals are great and they're kind of yes. all over the place like in a good way on this album like he has a lot of range he's doing a lot of different mm-hmm. things and it sounds good on that later song on the album money he almost sounds like elvis at one point like it's that, I, it's fun i can't wait to talk about that song musically because that, that song is very interesting musically but yeah yeah like he he does a lot of good stuff um so yeah big fan of joel's vocals on this me too yeah 
Um, like I said, it's it's musically simple, but it's just it just works. You know, it's it's it just it just it moves forward, and it has it's well structured, and it just works. Yeah, yeah. All right, you ready to listen to the lyrics? Uh, no, but go ahead. She's late for the first time. She don't know where she is. She doesn't know where to go. Lost in her driving, angry and crying, she don't know what she knows. How could this happen? She thought she was careful. A tear comes into her eye. Now lost on a strange road, she pulls to a dead stop. She bows her head and starts to cry. She starts to cry. She says, scared am I? She gets out of her car. She steps out in the cold and thinks of what she's been through. No one around her. No one to help her to tell her what she should do. Am I alone now? Am I disowned now? She stares into the clouded sky. Rain starts to fall down, mixing with her tears. She falls on her knees and starts to cry. The rain, smooth and steady, falls onto her face. The rain, it seems to be quite warm. She can't help but wonder. The soft rumbling thunder, the soothing rain, despite the storm, is trying to tell her that things will be better. There's hope that springs into her eye. She knows in her future that things will be all right. She lifts her head and starts to cry. Anyways, okay, it's pretty simple. It's just a story about a a, 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 a girl who finds out she's pregnant. In, one, in that interview that Conrad did on that on that podcast, he explains this in kind of a really overbearing kind of way. He's like, you know, in the, the first, the first line there is she's late for the first time. And, you know, I don't know if you catch it, but um, that, that, that means that, you know, she's, she's like for a period. That means she's pregnant. It's like, okay, thanks. Conrad. <laughs> but anyways, um, I think that I have to, I have two things to say about this song. The first is that I think that it's just such a fucking sad song and not in the way that it's meant to be sad. <laughs> You know, I think that it's just, once again, this perfect picture into that evangelical Christianity acknowledges how fucked up it is because here's someone who got pregnant. They're going to need a lot of help from their family. And their first thought is I'm probably disowned now. Mm, Yeah. You know, not just rejected by someone in general, but rejected by their own family. Mm, Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Anyways, you have anything else to say about the song? I do have something else to say, but it's it's a, in a different direction. I do, and it's also in a different direction. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, to me, this is such a contrast from the other version of religion we've seen so far in this album. Like, this helps highlight the whiplash that evangelical mm-hmm. Christianity can give you because it's like this song: God is a love of God is a God of love and mercy. And the other songs, I feel like what we've hinted at is that, and you better live right or you're going to hell. Like it's kind, you well, know. But, like, but that's the same thing here. It's it's you better live right or you're going to be rejected by your family. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, God still loves you. Yeah, your family might not, but your God does. Yeah. So, and, and we definitely got both messages. But to be honest with you, the one I think that that sticks in your head more is not that like oh, God loves me no matter what. It's like, I need to conform and follow the ways of mm-hmm. the in-group or, yeah, I'm going to be out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So this is going to sound crazy, but this song went a long way towards teaching me empathy. Say more. So, yes, so it was the first song that I'd ever really heard that kind of like t- 
told very super well through third person that captured such a, like a raw emotional state. And after I heard this song, you know, I, I always wrote um, like songs and stuff, but I started really putting, when I started writing songs after this, I started really putting myself in other people's shoes, right. And trying to see things from their perspective, which church had completely failed to teach me up to that point. <laughs> um, and so this song kind of started me on the road of seeing you know, things from a point of view other than just my own ignorant little small world perspective. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good then. Yeah. A good, a good result from, from this horrible, horrible topic. Fair. Yeah. I the, just one other thing to say about this, cause you're going to see this on another song or two on this album. It's just, just like, it's just too, it's almost too serious. Like it's just, it is. It it's a weird whiplash on this album with like really silly, like the next song, really silly songs or Ukul the punk. And then this kind of stuff, like, um, yeah, it's fine. It's a goatee hook song. We all know it. We all remember it. It's one of their most memorable songs, but it's, it's a little too serious. I don't know if it's too serious or if it just doesn't, if, you know, I don't know. It's, it is, it is too serious, right? Like it definitely, it takes itself too seriously. That's, also, yeah. That's kind of right? what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the problem with it. And that's kind of, that's kind of Conrad in a nutshell. I think he kind of takes himself too seriously, honestly. He's all there. Yeah. He's either super serious or like even goofier that like goofy to like almost right. an annoying extent. Right. Like yes. it's just, yeah. yeah. I agree. Yep. But overall, I do like it. I think it's a good song. Um, if it hadn't been on the album, I would have, well, I guess I would have never known, but I would have been that much poorer for it, I guess. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to song seven. The last one we're doing on this episode, which is kind of a funny one to end on, but Samson. All right. So this one is words by Conrad, uh, words and music by Conrad and vocals by Christian, the bassist. Another silly song. I kind of like this one more than... Um, whatever it was we did a second ago, Ukula the Punk, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I didn't love it, but my friends fucking loved it, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the song starts off with kind of this weird kind of palm muting type thing with, and, with the bass, and, and, and the drums are mostly toms, and it kind of gives you this kind of rumble, rumble, rumble feeling that really makes you feel how, you know, clumsy Samson knocks several buildings down, which is a line here mm-hmm. in, in, at the beginning of the song. Christian does a great job there with his vocals of kind of really cornballing it up, you know, making it kind of over the top. I don't know what other word to use there. Um, slapstick a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe. 
and because it's Cody Hook and he has to be obnoxious, there's someone else singing along with him, kind of at a higher, higher melody that he that her kind of. It reminds me a little bit of like uh, what Matt Sharp did with Weezer a little bit occasionally, like the higher bit, yeah. vocals in the background. It's it's fun. It's nice. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, yeah. And then of course the chorus goes into actual like a punk thing, but it's only two lines. Me and Samson were best of friends. Me and Samson until the end. Good old Samson, he lost all of his hair. And the song goes on like that for the most part. There is a little change in the guitar when it comes to the bridge, which is sadly more misogynistic than it is catchy. So it's kind of not redeeming. And then after the third verse, uh, you kind of get this very, or, or for the third verse, you kind of get this very kind of Conradish clean guitar thing. Um, let's hear that. guitar there i think i know we're not here to talk about banana man today but i think it's that kind of nice texture that's missing from banana man that it makes it not as good an album as this one yeah i uh <laughs> do we want to go to lyrics um i will say that the song kind of ends with that that uh what do you call it the the bridge again you know the misogynistic bridge but instead of calling her a liar at the end of it it just goes back to that dun 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 dun, dun, dun which is honestly kind of clever Yeah, I mean, I like that part, and I do like the bridge just musically. I think it's probably the catchiest part of the song. Um, But this is a little bit like, you know, Bible story you grew up listening to, like not even in youth group, I mean, not even known in youth group in like children's church. I don't know. It's just a little like, yeah. It's the weirdest place. Like, why do we tell our kids story about Samson? Like, Samson's story is fucked up, Jay. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. So many yeah. of the stories that we grew up, like Jericho, like some of these things are really fucked up. They're just like, oh, it's a nice, you know, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, you know, God just killed everybody. Don't it's they're they're animals. Come on. Yeah, it's it Cute. is kind of nuts. Yeah. All right, Jay, you ready to be read this song? I'm Doesn't just matter. grateful this is the last time. Me and Samson go to the store, and old Samson leaves craters in the floor. Me and Samson walk around town, and clumsy. Samson knocked several buildings down. Me and Samson, we're best of friends. Me and Samson until the end. Me and Samson go on a double date. But you know, it didn't turn out that great. Me and my date are romantically impaired. But old Samson, he lost all of his hair. Me and Samson, we're best of friends. Me and Samson until the end. There is this girl, and her name is Delilah. 
She's a Philistine and she's such a big liar. Me and Samson are no longer friends. Kaz, old Samson has met his end. Man, I'd really hate to burst your bubble. But it goes to show you girls are nothing but trouble. There is this girl and her name is Delilah. She's a Philistine and she's such a big liar. <sighs> so, yeah, it's pretty misogynistic. I think the funniest part of the song to me is that if you don't know the story of Samson, it's just gibberish, right? It doesn't tell you enough of the story for it to make sense. True. But it leans on it too much to make sense without knowing the story. Yeah, you're definitely talking to a certain crowd with this one. <laughs> yeah. They also left out the best parts of the Samson story, like when he kills all those people with the jawbone of an ass, or when he ties all those foxes together by, tel by the tails and then lights them on fire and sends them running through a field and then it burns the fields down and all the crops. Come on. I know. I know. Yeah. Or when he cuts off all those people's foreskins, like a bag, he has a bag full of dicks. Like a bag <laughs> of dicks that he brings to somebody else. <laughs> You're right. This is fucked up that we learned this as a kid. <laughs> We just focus on the on the misogynistic parts, though, because that's what that's really the what you're taught in school is that Delilah she tricked him because you know about girls they're trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's like <sighs> that stuff was really baked in too, wasn't it? Like the misogynist, yes. right? Like, mm -hmm. and you know, you could be like, ha ha, you know, it's just kind of funny. Girls are nothing but trouble, ha ha. But like, when you combine that with everything else in the patriarchal culture and only men can be leaders and pastors and all that like mm -hmm. it's like no nah, you, you yeah, kind of believe that too don't you yeah yeah <sighs> okay we have anything else to say about this um no just that we've got seven more songs seven more songs for the next episode yeah to look at okay well, I guess we'll be back for the next episode to cover the second half of this album. And until then, we're us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of your music saved us if you enjoyed your time with us please leave us a review or share this episode visit patreon.com ymsu to contribute and get extended episodes visit our website yourmusicsavedus.com find out all the ways to listen we're on twitter instagram youtube and facebook join our facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us and send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com the music in this episode is the work of Goaty Hook and is used with apologies, not permission. You can buy their last EP on Bandcamp. And other than that, I don't know. It's kind of out of luck. Yeah. Uh, I think they have shirts and stuff okay, now good. reprinted, but I'm not sure where to get them. But um, maybe yeah. contact them on Bandcamp and, you know, see. All right. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're not.
not on Twitter anymore. I closed down our account. Uh-oh. Why? Because it's Elon Musk? Because it's gross. Our account or Twitter? Twitter. She's a wonder <laughs> white nationalist now. Patting each other's back. Oh, I still I still read it at lunchtime. <laughs> not because I'm a white nationalist. <laughs> just to clarify, just because it's, I don't know, it's kind of my habit. It's what I do. Scroll Twitter. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.